Hey everybody, when you hear that music from the windy city of Chicago, you know it's time for On the Lighter Side of Baseball. This is Jamie Uretsky coming to you live from Overland Park, Kansas. And I tell you what, we are pleased to have a guest that I have gotten to know through a mutual relation that I'll get into later. But he is the founding partner in the law firm of Sanchez, Daniels, and Hoffman. If I gave uh, all of his resume and introduced him properly, uh, we wouldn't have any more time to ask him any questions. The guy is incredibly everywhere, omnipresent in Chicago, and recently named again as the chair of the Illinois Sports Facilities Authority, Manny Sanchez. Manny, how are you doing, sir? I, I am doing very, very well. Good morning, Jamie. Good morning to you. It's afternoon in Kansas City, morning in uh, in Scottsdale. I'd rather be in Scottsdale. But we, uh, we all have to get through this COVID-19 and get back to uh, baseball and back to the matters at hand. But uh, I thought to myself, two lawyers that have about 150 jury trials between us, who's going to talk, who's going to listen? And uh, here we are, man. Another good day to talk. Yeah. Well, I know one of the listeners will be Charlie Lewis, and I'm sure that he will uh, enjoy this big time. Well, I, I told somebody, everybody that I, I have mentioned over the last year, and I'll explain why in the world I got to, got to know you, uh, when I mentioned Manny Sanchez, everybody that I talked to, especially in the legal world, knows you, thinks highly of you, and I said, well, Manny's going to do me the honor of being on the podcast, and if he just circulated to half of his friends in Chicago, the <laughs> my listening audience will go up by gazillions. <laughs> That's beautiful. But a shout out to Charlie Lewis. Now, uh, I had the privilege and honor of being with your son at the Super Bowl. So that's oh, a, little, a little tease at how we got to uh, know each other. And uh, Manny Jr. is getting ready to wed one of my very best friend's daughters. And uh, uh, so we're looking forward to that. And as a result of that and a few other things, Manny and I got to uh, spend a little time at Las Corolla, one of my favorite spots, and, yep. uh, and have, a, have a little bit of chance to talk. How are you doing since then? You know, doing very, very well. Uh, you know, ironically, on Friday, last Friday of February, which I think was the 28th, my jury came back in a three-week asbestos mesothelioma trial where the plaintiff asked for $44.5 million, and the jury gave them the big banana, zero, nothing. Ford Motor Company was thrilled. I was thrilled. I got on a plane the next day on Saturday, and I've been in Scottsdale ever since. We were supposed to go back. In the second week of March, but because of this COVID-19 virus thing, we've been, quote, stuck, unquote, in Scottsdale and haven't enjoyed it any more than we have now. Well, speaking as someone who has had uh, similar situations in the uh, world of law, that's a big, big congratulations. That's a spectacular, to say the least, in this day and age, to pour out the plaintiff in any case, let alone a case like that says, you know, just exactly what, uh, what I would think that uh, you and your reputation bring to the table, buddy. That's great. Hey, you know what, Jamie, on Saturday, honestly, I didn't need the airplane to fly to Scottsdale. I was at such a high. I got there almost virtually without it. <laughs> Isn't it amazing, the highs and lows of trial practice? Amen. Amen. Big time. Well, I've been picking up uh, a little bit different uh, uh, way to pass the time during the 
coronavirus, and that's doing podcasts with uh, people who have a lot of time on their hands now, and they can't get away from me. So I can bug people, <laughs> and I can get them to uh, come on the show. Uh, one of my favorites, Dwayne Stats, who's the voice of Tampa Bay Rays, has been on the show, and uh, Bobby Denier, who played center field for the Cubs, and a few others that uh, I've had the honor of talking to. But I'm looking forward very much with uh, great anticipation of uh, shooting the breeze with you and talking about some of the things we have in common, like the, uh, the, the Chicago White Sox. Oh, God, music. We, uh, if we do another type of podcast, maybe we'll call it the uh, lighter side of uh, trial practice. How about that? <laughs> okay, that's fine. Let's get the baseball. <laughs> Let's get the baseball. Now, how in the world have you gotten this great desire and love for the game of baseball? I mean, it's obvious that, uh, that you go way back with the uh, love of the game. I do. Well, you know, Jamie, the truth is we were born and raised in the city of Chicago, but on the north side, mind you. And so everybody assumed, as all of my neighbors were Cub fans, that I would be a Cub fan. And but for two things, that would have been true. The first was 1959. The White Sox won the pennant. And the first full World Series game that I watched was early win in the first game of the World Series. And uh, it was 11 to nothing, as I recall. And I remember saying to my dad, hey, Pops, these White Sox look pretty damn good. And so the following summer in July of 1960, dad takes the boys, there were five of us at the time, and he takes four boys to Comiskey Park, but not to watch the White Sox, to watch wrestling, to watch Buddy Rogers uh, wrestle a Bearcat Wright. And so it was basically the blacks against the whites. And we're watching this wrestling match, not knowing that it's phony, but there's 50,000 people at Comiskey Park. And on the walls of Comiskey Park are Nellie Fox, Louis Aparicio, uh, Early Wynn. I'm uh, uh, just these, these, what now are icons in the White Sox history legacy. And from that day on, even though the White Sox had lost the World Series and Larry Sherry killed us, Every time he came in, in the World Series, I have, from 1959 to the current time, been a diehard, lifetime White Sox fan, notwithstanding my North Side residency. Well, I tell you what, that's one thing I just love about talking to you, because as you're talking, I'm thinking I could go over to my bookshelf and get my, a ticket stub from Game 6 of the World Series and a scorebook from Game 6 of the World Series. I can't say that they were mine, but my dad grew up on the south side of Chicago. His dad grew up on the south side of Chicago. Wow. And somehow he came up with tickets for game six. So wow. I'm nine years old for that period of time. And we are in the upper deck of left field. You cannot see the <laughs> left fielder, Al Smith. But Al Smith, yeah, I remember that, the beer. Yeah, because they traded Minnie Minoso away that year. Then he came you back there after they won the pennant. But you, you talked about game one with early win. What a great game. And game six was every bit as bad as game one was good. Yeah, but as long as you brought up you brought up the, the, the White Sox pre-World Series, I'll never forget the day they won the pennant. You mentioned Minnie Minoso. I remember two things. When we got big Ted Klazuski in August, I thought, wow, this ought to – because we were in a tight race with Cleveland at the time. But the moment that I remember most remarkably is – we're on the second floor of a building on Milwaukee Avenue by Milwaukee Division in Ashland and watching the White Sox play for the pennant 
and they won the game and they won the pennant. And suddenly the alarm, the, the uh, air raid alarm goes on. And remember, in those days, we had the Cold War going on. So everybody at, I want to say Tuesday at 10 o'clock, would listen to the air raid uh, uh, alarm in a practice session. But this was like 9 o'clock at night. The air raid alarm goes off. And suddenly, I go to the front of our, 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 our apartment on uh, Milwaukee Avenue. And all these people are running down Milwaukee Avenue to the uh, Milwaukee uh, Division and Ashland subway there because that was a bomb shelter. And yeah. then my, I said, Dad, what the heck's going on? And Dad goes, obviously, they're not White Sox fans. Or they know that this is to celebrate the pennant, and that's what it was. That's great. I don't know if you can see this, but I'm oh, holding can't. up a picture of me with Ted Klazuski, the gentleman. Oh, my God. With yeah, but his sleeves aren't cut. What <laughs> happened there? <laughs> that, that, that's I, a great photo. Isn't that wow. fun? I went you haven't fun. changed a lick. You look the same as your photo there. Yeah, exactly. Well, how did you swing that? How did you I swing might have, that? I might have picked up a few pounds since back then. Mm. I, I was a baseball fanatic back then and now, and I went to uh, Ted Klazuski baseball camp, and I got a picture oh. with Clue. And uh, later on, I guess he had – it was probably after the uh, pennant. So uh, that's a great, great bit of memorabilia. And when you bring up Clue – you know, what? Just I mean, everybody on that team from – look at all the guys that they had that they got rid of. Johnny Romano, Norman Cash. Yep. Uh, uh, Callison. They had guys that couldn't play in the, in the starting lineup. They got rid of them and became MVPs. You got it. Unbelievable. Yeah. But still, they had a hell of a lineup in 1959. You know, even though Norm Cash started at first base at the beginning of the year, big clue ended there. Sherman Lowler, I'll never forget because he was the slowest baseball runner I've ever seen. My, but he led the team in homers. I mean, the guy was a, a great force. And, you know, I still remember the Al Smith beer incident. I mean, yeah. that, that was captured forever. He's in left field and he's raising head. That beer goes right out of his head. I mean, there are moments like that that if you're a true historian and you follow the White Sox, those are moments that you never forget. And every time I have a chance to bring up historical moments with Jerry Reinsdorf, he one-ups me because he can tell me that plus some about them. And so it's, well, it's great. To, to, and I know how he feels about you and, and about uh, your relationship. And when I told him I was doing this podcast, he says, oh, man, I love the guy. Manny, uh, have fun. And I am. Well, you know, I feel uh, so strongly about my relationship with Jerry. And he is, he is somebody that, um, you know, I could talk about for an awfully long time. He's, uh, I guess he's, you could sum up uh, Jerry by one word, and that's loyalty. Uh, Amen. There is nobody more loyal. And uh, I've just really, I, I was watching uh, some show and I saw Mr. Reinsdorf in 1982 or 83, which is right around when, when I met him. Uh, right. In conjunction with my good friend, Dave Nelson, who coached for the White Sox. And Jerry uh, mm. and I both had more hair, and it seemed darker back then. <laughs> well, you know, the era we're talking about, of course, is the Bill Beck area, Beck as in rec. And I, and I, I remember those moments, even before Jerry uh, hooked up with Einsdorf and put his crew together and bought the White Sox, a bunch of us were kind of uh, uh, upset about it at the time not thinking that 30-plus years later we would be thrilled 
by the by the by the new change in management. And even though 2005 is already 15 years behind us, that's a year that outlaw. We're talking about 59 now. Skip to 2005. That is a year that I will never forget. And I regret not going down to Houston because I was afraid they might not come back. And sure enough, they didn't come back. And I had to watch the celebration from my living room instead of from Houston, which is where I would rather have been. Well, I saw the only loss the White Sox had during that whole <laughs> playoff run. They lost right. at, uh, you know, I keep calling the cell Comiskey Park, and I know I shouldn't, especially no, to you. No, no, I call it that too. I mean, why not? It always will be in my eyes. I, I tell you what, I talk about a love affair with the ballpark. I, the, the smells, of, I mean, it was just for a kid. You know, you walk in and the first time you see the grass and all that, the smells. I, uh, when my buddy started coaching for the White Sox, um, you know, I'd get used to the concession stand right near the Sox clubhouse. And, man, right. I just uh, had such a great time with my dad. That was really the one thing we shared um, in common with that. But uh, Can you say Amy, because the same thing with me and my boys and the two things that were, that were stand out in my mind about Comiskey Park are the Andy Frayne ushers. And God, I, I thought someday I'd like to be an Andy Frayne usher until I saw them try and interrupt some of the fist fights up in the upper deck. And I said, the last thing I want to do is be an Andy Frayne usher. Look at they're getting killed. But secondly, I remember the hot dogs. Manny, my son Manny, who you mentioned earlier, reminded me, he's a hot dog like his mother, a hot dog and ketchup person. I'm a hot dog and mustard person. So when we would buy the hot dogs and they would give them those aluminum wrapped packages, it was hot dog with mustard. And they, it's funny how Manny, it, 30 years later, still remembers that. It was just wonderful, wonderful experience. Great memories of Comiskey Park. You know, the food was so good out there, at least to, to me. The, uh, you talk about Bill Veck in that era. Uh, my dad became friends with Rudy Schaefer, who was uh, Bill oh, yeah. right-hand man. Yep. And so Rudy uh, was kind enough to get us kind of a season ticket where he only went to three or four games during mm -hmm. the, the week. And my dad and I, games started at 8 o'clock. We'd go down to 35th and Shields, get there at 6 wow. o'clock to watch batting practice. And wow. uh, the, the hot dogs, they had a little deal back there called Rudy's Steak. The, I can remember the popcorn vendors. You know, it just is such a great uh, memory in, in my mind. But then as I got older and I was just got off a podcast with a, a friend of mine and a friend of, of uh, Dave Nelson's, and we were talking about McCutty's. We were talking about Jim's Place. We were talking yeah. about, uh, uh, I think it was Schaller's Pub or Schiller's Pub yeah. and all those places that, uh, that were so great back then. And they were, and until they built the new stadium in 89, when they opened it officially, but started in 88, one by one they left, and it was a shame because then a desert was created. And to this day, as the chair of the Illinois Sports Facility Authority, I'm committed to seeing a transformation of that beautiful Southside neighborhood because the one thing that the Cubs have on us big time is the commercial and the restaurants and the bars around uh, Addison and, and uh, the north side there, we have got an opportunity. And before my days are over with as chairman, I hope to be a part of the revitalization of that part of the south side of Chicago because the White Sox deserve it. And Jerry and his legacy 
ought to be a rebuilding of the whole south side of Chicago. And does that include um, some sorts of uh, adult beverage locations near the park? That's what's missing. I mean, you can't just rely on a hot dog stand on 35th Street and the nearest uh, adult beverage place is three blocks away. I mean, it's just crazy. Even the one that was on the other side of the park there at 33rd Street is gone. I'm, I'm, I'm losing the uh, name right now, but it's gone. I mean, it's just, it's really unfortunate. But the thing is, we're going to have a great, well, if we have a season in 2020, it, this really annoys me. It, I think it was 1993 when the Sox were on fire and Frank Thomas was lighting up everything. And I think he was leading the league in home runs, et cetera. And then they have the player strike and it destroyed the impetus of the White Sox season that year. This year, all of us that are Sox fans are excited about what, what Jerry and his management team has put together, looking forward to the 2020 season, and then what happens, the COVID-19 virus. I mean, it's, it's, it's the opposite of serendipitous. I mean, this is just very unfortunate. But when the season does return, and it will, as they say in the Bible, this too will end, when, when it returns, we will see a team that's going to, I think, impress the heck out of the, the country, not just the city of Chicago or the state of Illinois, but the country, because they've got a wonderful nucleus put together. Well, and not just this year, but I think in the future, and I got to agree with you, they made some uh, pretty key moves in the front office, and they got some uh, uh, spectacular talent in return for a few trades. And I think that, you know, I think Jerry, again, is to be uh, – be commended for, you know, given the okay to go out and spend some money. And some of the money he spent, he'll be the first to admit it, hasn't yeah. always been successful. I, uh, I I think Jerry is hysterically funny. And I say that to people and they go, are you, are we talking about <laughs> the same guy? And I mean, we, we have had uh, a really good, fun, casual relationship. And, uh, through the years, he just has come up with some pretty funny, funny situations. But the funniest, I think, we spent, we had lunch last fall, I suppose, and we spent part of the luncheon, and then we were joined by a former ex-governor and a few other folks oh, who God, jumped in the same frigging conversation about fish that they couldn't get for Jerry to have a meal with. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and to see Jerry was pretty amused at all this, and I was sort of amused at all this, although I'm not a big fish guy. But yeah, uh, uh, Jerry seems to be watching his weight better than I through the years. But uh, he's you know, very good at it. What a good friend. How did you end up first getting to know Jerry? Well, that's a very good question because, but for being appointed by the then newly elected governor of uh, Rauner to the chairmanship, I remember nobody expected that Rauner was going to win that election. And prior to that, in 2011, I was on the Illinois Sports Facility Authority Board, but I was just one of seven members. So I knew Jerry, but I didn't really know him. I was just one of the, the, the members of the board. The chairman really knew Jerry well. I didn't. And that was Emil Jones. And they did not have the greatest relationship, unbeknownst to me. But then I got fired by Quinn in 2011. Right. So when, it, when uh, Rauner... Uh, through his wife, Diana, I asked me if I wanted to uh, uh, have breakfast with him. I said, sure. I thought it had to do with ounce prevention, early education. No, it had to do with him running for governor. And he asked me, would you 
uh, be willing to support me. And honestly, and maybe it's because I'm a kid from the city of Chicago, it took me about a half a second to remember what had happened to me just the fall before when I got kicked out of the Illinois Sports Facility Authority and he was running against Quinn. And so I said, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll support you. And then lo and behold, he wins the election. And I recall I was down in Cabo watching the returns with another great White Sox fan, Dan Houston, who at the time was the CEO of Navistar and chair of Navistar. So we're watching the returns and he's saying, ah, it looks like, it looks like uh, Quinn's going to win. I said, no, no, no. Our internal polling shows we're going to win by three to four percentage. And we did. So the next day, you know, I was cheap, uh, Jamie. So I never had my roaming thing on. I always turned off the cellular data. And so I'm on the treadmill and I look at, I got five emails from my secretary saying, Manny, 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 soon to be Governor Rauner is trying to reach you. And then, so I emailed her back. I said, you know, I turn off my cellular. Tell them to call me at three o'clock Central Standard Time. I'll go into the reception. I get in there, the, the phone's ringing. It's Governor-elect Rauner saying, Manny, I owe you. And I said, what are you talking about? Congratulations. Has Quinn conceded yet? Said, no, but we know we won the election. He goes, could I persuade you to come into my administration? I said, hey, I have a day job. You know, I have a law firm. I'm happy with it. Thank you. But no, that, well, would you, would you consider heading up education, heading up economic development? I said, let me stop you. As a trustee of NIU for 15 years, the one thing I hated, even especially when I was chair and I had to go twice a year, was to trek down to Springfield. It's a boring ride. It's just horrendous. I don't want to go there any more than I have to. And then he goes, how about the Illinois Sports Facility Authority? I go, now that has a really nice ring to it. He goes, <laughs> That's great. Congratulations, Mr. Chairman. I go, oh my God, are you serious? He goes, yes, I am. So that's how, so when word got out that I was the chairman, I went over, first of all, to tell Mr. Jones that I was going to be replacing him. And secondly, to say hi to Jerry and to Howard Pizer and the rest of the folks right. there. And it's been a love fest, honest to God, ever since then. I refer to him affectionately, and he knows this as my BFF. He refers to me as his landlord. <laughs> and so we have had just a terrific relationship going. Ironically, Pat and I bought a place in Scottsdale two years ago. I get to have lunch with him, except during COVID-19 days in Paradise Valley, uh, close to where he lives. He likes that deli there. That's the only place he likes to go. We did white chocolate one time, and that was out of his element. He prefers the, and we run into all sorts of Chicagoans at that uh, deli in uh, Paradise Valley. But we are on the same page, have been for a long time. But the last thing I'll mention is to, to this point about uh, investing in the development. In 2013 or 14, whatever it was, maybe it was 15. I'm losing track of time now. I remember we'd had another ugly season. Maybe it was 2017. I said, Terry, gee, we didn't even have a 500 season. I said, isn't it time to maybe consider, you know, uh, uh, starting anew, et cetera. And he goes, Manny, at this time. And I remind him of it. He says, I'm approaching 80. Manny, you know, I'm too old to get involved in that. And then a couple years later, so help me God, he goes, at the end of the year, remember when I told you that this is before they saw, they traded Chris Sale and they traded uh, Quintana, uh, they made the big trades and invested in the draft choices and in the rookie. He says, nonsense. I'm going to live for a long time. We're going to rebuild. And look at what they've built. Yeah. And so I will never forget that conversation.
Well, you know, I can remember the white flag era and the publicity against uh, Jerry. And, you know, through the years, both with the Bulls and with the White Sox, he, um, for good reason, has has had that good staying power. And, you know, there's he, he's, he's in a lot of ways, and this might sound funny, kind of understated. He's He's incredibly generous. He's incredibly loyal. He's Indeed. incredibly philanthropic. The ACE yep. program, their program for uh, disadvantaged minority ballplayers uh, yep. in the, in the uh, inner city is spectacular. And he doesn't, he really does, you got to really twist to get him to toot his own horn. It's pretty cool. He would, he would rather talk about the Brooklyn Dodgers than almost anything that I've ever been able to discuss with him. Well, you know what? To that end, here's here, I'll share a little tidbit with you that very, very few people know about. I had the privilege of having Jerry serve as our honoree for the Northern Illinois University Foundation a couple of years ago. And I'll never forget when I asked him to do it and he agreed. I saw Michael a couple of weeks later at a board meeting. We're both on the uh, board of the uh, Economic Club of Chicago. He comes up to me before the meeting starts. He goes, Manny, how did you get that? to agree to be honored by, by uh, Northern Illinois University. I said, well, I just asked him, he goes, he always turns those things down. And he told me the other day, he told my mom, oh, uh, Northern Illinois University is going to have something in November, and I've agreed to be honored. He goes, Manny, he must really love you to accept that because he re regularly and consistently says thank you, but no thanks. I'm not worthy of that. I don't need that. But happily, he accepted my invitation, and it was the most successful Northern Illinois University Foundation event ever because Jerry is so generous. And he, I, I told you, I love the guy. I mean, he's just a wonderful human being. No, this is a Jerry Reinsdorf mutual admiration society. He, uh, you know, he, he can laugh. I said, you know, we were talking at lunch, and I said, hey, Jerry, why don't you be on my podcast? And he goes, you know, I don't even let him photograph me at the ballpark. <laughs> so why would I? And then he grabs my phone and he goes, how many listeners do you have? And I go, I, I couldn't even begin to tell you how many listeners I have. I said, let's do a podcast where all we do is we talk about, how about cigars? You want to do that? We're going to talk <laughs> about, about cigars. I go, say, yeah, maybe. So we got we to gotta work on them. We can do Zoom with Jerry. That would be oh, Wouldn't job. that be awesome? Well, here's another Jerry Reintorff story. In 2016, we rented a home here for three months, and I saw 13, not one, but 13 spring games in Glendale at Camelback Stadium. And on the last one, on the last one, I go to see Jerry in his suite uh, about the sixth inning, and his uh, retired police lady security person says, Mr. Sanchez, I know Mr. Reinsdorf likes you a lot, but he's only got one guest today. Do you mind if I check to see if it's okay with No, no, not at all. Do your duty. So he goes, I didn't know who it was at the time. Jerry comes out to the door. He opens the door and he says to the retired police officer, I told you, this is my landlord. Whatever he wants to come in, he's entitled to come in. So then he, she took it seriously initially. He goes, hey, I'm just kidding. You know. And who was the person? Jim Paxson. Jim Paxson, oh, yeah. Jerry, uh, Jerry, and uh, you know the Paxson family, they're just so close. And this is John's older brother. I did not know him at the time. So why do I bring this up? Because... At the end of the game, and normally I leave, if the Sox are losing, I don't wait till the end because Jerry takes these things so personally that he's not in a very good mood. But the Sox won this game, my 13th game. So I said, Jerry, I'm not going to see you at the opening game in uh, uh, Guaranteed Rayfield, or maybe then it was U.S. Cellular. But I will tell you this, uh, 
we're going to be down in Cabo for three weeks, but we're coming back here to Arizona in May. And that's when uh, Jim Paxson perked up and he said, uh, oh, for what? I said, well, to look uh, for real estate, uh, to rent or to buy. And I said, well, if we find the right place to buy, Jim says, my wife is a real estate agent. So guess who helped buy our house and who served as our realtor for Desert Highlands Golf Course? Courtney Paxson. And we've become very, very good friends with Jim and Courtney ever since then. So again, the Jerry, Jerry Reinsdorf is the mutual connection there, Jamie. And it's just been a, a love fest as well. Well, it's always uh, it's always fun to hang out with Jerry because you never know who's going to show up. That's true. Uh, I I ran into him. I was walking through the concourse at at Sox Park. I can't remember how long ago, and all of a sudden I walked by, and he goes, "Jamie, what are you doing here?" And I go, "What? Well, well, you know, I come to games occasionally. Why?" He goes, "Well, you're going to come tomorrow." And I said, "I could if uh, why?" And he goes, "Well, come on up to my suite." I said, "Well, that sounds good." So, you know, I. I go to the window the next day. I get somebody to walk me up there after they try to figure out why in the world I'd be going up to Reinstorf <laughs> Suite. And at the cell, he's got, as you know, he's sort of got two suites. And yes, he does. He we does. wander in there and we go into Jerry goes, Come on, Jamie, let's sit over here. And we go in the suite that didn't have anybody. And I look over on the other and, and it's like packed. And I don't know if Kenny's yeah, over that's there. Where Rick and William and all the other people are. <laughs> and so Jerry goes, what do you want to eat? And I go, well, we're at a hot dog. We're at a game. I want a hot dog. What do you want on it? Here's yeah. Jerry asking me what yeah. I want on my frigging hot dog. Just, yeah. He's just a, a spectacular guy. So, uh, well, uh, I'd be remiss, Jamie, if I didn't interject about Jerry and Ozzy Guillen. Because but for Jerry, I only get to know Ozzy remotely as the head of our 2005 team. And and uh, speaking of loyalty, all the people that were chiming away, get rid of Ozzy and lo loyalty is a thing that Jerry has never, ever been hesitant to apply in a situation. He said, nonsense. I've got a contract. We're going to see this through. But in the process, I got to know Ozzy. And as recently as August of this past year, I had lost Dan Hampton as my, my guest celebrity for my golf outing out at Naperville Country Club. And on a last-minute call, I asked Ozzy Jr. if he would give me his dad's cell number because I need a celebrity on the second Monday of August. And who shows up but Ozzy? And I'm telling you, they loved him out in Naperville. And that guy is just a wonderful human being. And even though he went down to Florida for a while, he's a Sox guy. And, and Jerry knows it, and I know it, and the city knows it. And he, it's great to have him back telecasting some of the some of the the baseball games because he's a wonderful you know, and he and his family his wife's beautiful his kids are great and he's spending a lot of time in chicago these days so we've gotten to get to know him even better and so i've been thrilled to 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 to, to, to cement a relationship with ozzy and his family thanks to jerry reinster well i'll tell you what i've got a uh and again back to memorabilia i've got a bat that i got signed by ozzy Mm. By Aparicio. Ooh, Louie. By Chico Carrasquel. Oh, my God. You're going through all the shortstops uh, of the White Sox. And one of my favorites, Rookie of the Year, that they got in a trade for uh, for Aparicio, Ron Hansen, who came over with Pete Ward and yep. uh, Dave Nicholson and yep. uh, maybe even Wilbur Wood in that deal. But uh, what a great bat. And Ozzy is a great you know, showman and a, and a great uh, 
Great guy. Naperville Country Club. Now, now you're going to get me to talk about my brother-in-law, Jim Wanamaker. Who, <laughs> oh, my God. There's the other connection we have. Absolutely. Says, yeah, I, I, I remember still in being in my locker uh, at Naperville Country Club. Uh, it was a hot day, maybe in the 90s, high 90s, and I'm trying to just cool off. And then Jim goes, Jesus Christ, man, I can't go anywhere without uh, uh, running into somebody. I said, what are you talking about? He goes, Jamie, you rescue. I said, no, what are you talking about? I was, uh, what was it, Minnesota or uh, some, somewhere, uh, 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 your son's name came up, and I said, what are you, and that's how I found out that you were related to Wanamaker, and Jim still is a, a great member of Naperville Country Club, and of course, that hardware store of his on Ogden Avenue is still one of the most prominent places in the Naperville area. Well, that, that is exactly right, and during this COVID-19, uh, they're still open. If you call Wanamakers, I'll give them a plug for all the people you circle. If you call Wanamakers in Downers Grove on Ogden Avenue, call them, order a drive up, and you can have all the impatience and all the begonia. <laughs> you, you can spend time during the COVID beautifying your yard, and then why don't you buy a Weber grill from them? They'll be happy to say anything. You got that right. And one of the things I'll always say is I go there to get a mosquito kind of killer because ours said, Bill, and who's out there? sweating with all the other folks that are out there but jim himself and he goes manny what are you doing here i said oh you know our mosquito thing is not where he goes here let me help you i thought to myself this guy's name is out of the places is you know i don't know if he's second or third generation but he's out there hands on getting his hands dirty and working with these folks just as hard as anybody else that's what i love about the work ethic of so many of the friends that i've got to know both in and out of chicago and the suburbs well, that's a subject I know about. He's second generation. His dad, my father-in-law, uh, may rest in peace, started wow. Wanamakers uh, at Lawn and Garden. And uh, it's still going strong with uh, Jim and his family running it. And God love him. Uh, oh, yeah. We share sure. cottages up in northern Wisconsin. And there couldn't be a better that's guy. Wisconsin. Couldn't be a better guy to share uh, share property with than, uh, than yeah. Jim. He's... Uh, he, he and my wife both work hard, and I sit there on a chair watching them work. <laughs> well, well done. That's good. Did, did you? We'll uh, we'll wrap up soon because I'm sure you got some trial briefs to write. But uh, oh, oh, I'll tell you what, I'm enjoying this conversation because rarely do I have a chance to just isolate myself from any and everything else, including our West Highland Terrier and my beautiful wife Pat, and get a chance to talk about something that's almost as near and dear to me as my wife and that is the white Sox. and so this is this is a really really fun thing for me jamie well i was going to bring up the wedding in in uh, november but we don't well, have to talk about that. it is in november it's in tucson and uh, notwithstanding I, i'm assuming this COVID 19 thing is going to be behind us by then but mm -hmm. i am telling you we have fallen in love with jenna she is just uh, I, I, the, the the doug and joni are just great people we got to spend thanksgiving with them before this whole COVID 19 mess and we are looking forward to indeed selfishly and i'll say this on the air because they haven't made the decision yet selfishly i'm hoping that they find a place in the scottsdale area because i want to have my my granddaughter and my daughter-in-law and my son uh in and around more often scottsdale and i know that'll happen if joni and doug find a place in scottsdale uh, I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to say that there's a better chance that they end up in Scottsdale than the Cubs playing the White Sox in the 20th <laughs> World Series. 
Oh, you're really going out of the limb there. That's for sure. <laughs> oh, my goodness gracious. Well, do you miss uh, miss uh, being in the city uh, with your law firm, or are you able to? You know, you know what? what's amazing is due to technology today, I've been here since I started out at the beginning of January, and then I go back just for partnership meetings and because I'm still the chair and for trials. So I went back twice. The first case settled. The second one went to the end of February. It went to trial. I got a great verdict. And I found that I can run my law firm from 1,400 miles away in Scottsdale just as easy as I have been doing <clears throat> on Fridays for the last 12 years because I have a Wheaton office. And what I traditionally do is I go from our home in Lyle to our office in Wheaton. I spend the morning there. And by 1 o'clock, I'm at Naperville Country Club getting in a round of golf. And I have found that I can run it just as easy. And now with Zoom, which is just of the last few months, it's, uh, and I'm not missing a, a step. And, and so fortunately, I have a son who's also uh, in my legacy in the business, my successor, Brian Sanchez, and his beautiful wife that he met in China. I, I told him, I knew you'd have to go 7,000 miles away to find someone who would put up with you. But she also works for us at the Sanchez Daniels and Hoffman Law Firm. And they have blessed me with my youngest of uh, five grandchildren, my seven-year-old uh, granddaughter, Ling Lee. And so we have just been really, really fortunate. I get to see when I'm in Chicago at the office, my son and my daughter-in-law almost every day, and then my granddaughter regularly. But even when I'm here, I don't feel like I'm missing a beat because I may not be there in person, but guess what? My son is, and his eyes are, and my daughter-in-law is, and we've got a very successful business model, 30 lawyers. We've been doing this now for 32 years, and I'm just blessed that I've got the health to be able to continue to practice law, albeit from 1,400 miles away. And all of our major clients only require one thing of me, and that is not to be physically in the Chicago office, but instead, if push comes to shove, and we're going to have a case go to trial, whether it's McDonald's or whether it's Ford or Borg Warner, et cetera, will you, Manny, will you yourself personally try it? And I said, absolutely. They said, seriously? I said, absolutely. Because believe it or not, I still get off on this. Show. And I do. And I, and, I, and I will never, ever lose the, 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 the uh, uh, excitement uh, about this business. And now I've been doing it for over 40 years. And uh, Charlie can vouch for this. I cannot be controlled. When I'm in that courtroom, I'm in another world. And I can't wait. And I'm acting. Yes, I am acting. That's why I knew this was a profession I wanted. I'm acting. And when it's done and you get a result like I got at the end of February, there is nothing more exhilarating. I'm sorry, honey. But there's nothing more exhilarating than getting that not guilty verdict. So that's why I'm still enjoying it. And as long as I have my good health, Jamie, and I work hard at it, I intend to be at this for a long time. And in the meantime, continue to support my White Sox, both in Chicago and here in Arizona with Jerry just 20 minutes away. Well, I'm sure that when the season gets cranking, we'll have an opportunity to, I guess it's now guaranteed rate field. It is. I'd like to see the arrow pointing up, not down. <laughs> oh. Be that as it may. And I, I kid Jerry, I go, man, you know, I went to high school with Colleen Comiskey, whose father was Chuck Comiskey, grandfather Charles, right. the old Roman. And I said, you know, 
I don't care if you moved it or where it is, but it's still, it may be across the street, but to me, it's still Comiskey Park and one of my favorite places in the world. But I think, and let me say a nice thing about the sell slash guaranteed rate. Yeah. The renovations have really been spectacular. Well, I don't know if you ever were up on the fifth level before the renovations. They called it correctly so nosebleed section because you were afraid to lean forward for fear that you might just go down five stories. Well, let me tell you, I like to think that I've got a little bit of clout when it comes to trying to mooch tickets from whoever, although I don't think I've ever asked Jerry for a ticket. Although he did, he was he, he was uh, kind enough and confident enough. He flipped quite a bit of nice business our way, way back when on a uh, land deal that my firm really doesn't didn't do much of, but we had a, a lawyer that was pretty pretty knowledgeable in that area and we were able to help one of his Arizona friends. And so, uh, and maybe I will ask him, but I took my wife to a, it was a a kids weekend game way back when, and we just walked up. I didn't even know it was kids get in free day going in. We were level. Our seat was at the top of the right field foul pole, the top. Oh, my God. Wow. Talk about nosebleed. I couldn't even go get a hot dog and not a beer. That's for sure. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny you should mention having that legal connection with uh, Jerry and the White Sox because Turner Construction retained us to represent them when they were being sued in connection with the whole fifth level and the design of it, et cetera. And then at the time, the chair of the board was former Governor Thompson. And so when I got involved on behalf of Turner, I said, this thing should be resolved. We should mediate this thing. So that's what ended up getting resolved. But I was representing Turner, our, I, our firm was representing Turner Construction. And I personally was involved with the former governor when he was chair. As you might recall, when he left, what is it, three or four terms, three terms, I think, as governor, he went and became chairman of his law firm. But he also was chairman of the board of the Illinois Sports Facility Authority. So he left some issues. Let me ask you this. Did you use the infamous Charlie Lewis to mediate? Uh, you know what? It's funny. I have had mediations with Charlie, and he is a great mediator. I did not at that time because then he was, he was still uh, cutting his teeth on the mediation side. But since then, I've had multiple occasions, and he really, he really is good at his trade. We don't, really- wanna, we, we don't want to toot his horn at all. He'll get a – you know, he, <laughs> we can toot his wife's uh, – uh, <laughs> Joni, well, but, I can't uh, believe your connection with uh, Hinsdale Central, your connection with Charlie Lewis, your connection with the White Sox, your connection with my family, with Manny, with Joni. Talk about uh, six degrees. Hell, it's two degrees of separation here. This is really extraordinary, Jamie. And when we had dinner that night at La Charola, even though the Bears took it big time the next day uh, and Kansas City wiped us pretty nastily, still that evening – with you and your wife and with Joni and, and with Doug is an evening that I will never forget. And it's unfortunate that my wife had a family commitment and she couldn't join us because I told her that night, oh, honey, you're going to love these folks because Joni and Doug are just got the greatest friends here. And you guys had the pleasure the next day of watching uh, the, the Bears uh, get stomped by the Chiefs. And when you guys won the Super Bowl and my son – sent me a photo from, I had no idea he was there. And he sends me this photo. I said, oh my God. I said to Pat, 
Manny's at the Super Bowl. We're here, we were watching it on TV. We were envious as heck. But I, I was so excited for you guys uh, and, and for Kansas City. What a great way to celebrate. I don't know, what is it, 52 years or something since they I still remember SRAM. I remember uh, Kansas City Chiefs against the Pack. I mean, all that stuff is, unfortunately, I'm old enough to remember that stuff. And it's just, I'm just blessed to be able here in 2020 to still be recollecting it, still be sharing it now on a podcast with you, and really proud to say the following. I am thrilled to have gotten a chance to have met you, to have met your wife, and I'm looking forward to, if not sooner, seeing you in Tucson for the wedding in November and looking forward to continuing this relationship going forward. And trust me, I'm no shrink and violet. I am going to let a whole lot of folks know about this podcast. And once it's posted, if you notice uh, uh, an increase, AC Nielsen should, do, should check out your, your uh, listenership because I anticipate that I am going to allow a lot, allow, I'm going to encourage a lot of people to listen to this because it's truly been my pleasure, honestly, to discuss a subject that is so near and dear to me with such a dear friend like you, Jamie. Well, and if I were a judge, I would say thank you very much, Mr. Sanchez, for your closing argument. Now we'll <laughs> the jury with instruction and get on down the road. Hey, thank you very much, Manny. This has been great. We'll do it again if uh, we both seem to probably have a little bit of time. You're working. I'm not. I just like to talk on podcasts. So you have been spectacular and have made the afternoon very enjoyable for me. And it's so much fun to talk about old White Sox baseball. It's fun to talk about family. It's fun to talk about our good mutual friend, Jerry. And uh, be good, be safe, stay healthy. And I look forward to seeing you at a baseball game before the wedding. You got it. Great. Let's make it happen. Okay. Uh, Take care. So that wraps up an interesting hour with Manny Sanchez, who is the uh, owner and founder of the second largest and leading minority law firm in the United States. And he's on so many boards, I couldn't even begin to tell you. But for the lighter side of baseball, for Jamie Retsky, this wraps up an exciting podcast with Manny Sanchez and uh, some strolls down memory lane from the south side of Chicago. And for Jamie Retsky on the lighter side of baseball, have a great afternoon and stay safe.